30 minutes after the hour. These are the talking heads. They love to do talking, and so do I. And so does our next guest, although he's able to do it in uh, multiple languages. Uh, He's been kind enough to be a guest on our show before. He's tremendous uh, every time. But uh, now we're uh, turning to him because there's actually some uh, pretty devastating news uh, coming to us from the land of the rising sun, Japan, where there are scenes of devastation emerging along Japan's west coast as rescuers are racing to save residents that are trapped in the rubble of a 7.5 magnitude earthquake that has triggered multiple aftershocks and killed dozens of people. As of uh, Tuesday afternoon, at least 48 people have been confirmed dead. And uh, we suspect that, unfortunately, that number could grow. want to welcome uh, Dave Spector, a guy that is a broadcasting legend. He's an American by birth and by upbringing, but he's a talk show host and TV producer broadcasting and living in Japan. Dave, um, I guess the appropriate thing for me to say is good evening. Thank you for joining me on the show. Yes, thank you. It's uh, 5.32 p.m. here in Tokyo, and the earthquake happened on the other side of Japan as you look at it from, from Tokyo, but it's not that far. It's about two hours by the, uh, the super fast train or five hours by car. Got it. And so your area and, and Tokyo, that, that is pretty normal at this point. It was, and uh, the earthquake, even though it was felt in Tokyo, was quite large, and it it continued for about two minutes, and the building that I'm in was swaying like you're on on a a boat, you know, for uh, about two minutes, and that that itself is very scary, because you're not sure exactly where the epicenter is or what's going to happen, so people in Tokyo were also very uh, affected by the earthquake, uh, even though it happened elsewhere. Mm, I know. Uh, So what are you hearing at this point, Dave, about what the uh, level of um, damage and destruction is at this juncture. Well, it's pretty bad. I mean, I have the NHK, which is sort of the um, national broadcaster, like the BBC, which has 24-hour coverage at the moment. And a lot of the structures were very old. They're wooden structures. Some of them are historic, so they didn't rebuild. And by that nature, a lot of the homes simply are not sturdy. Uh, most of the construction now in Japan is quite earthquake-proof, and uh, tall, even tall buildings are, are very safe. But um, older structures, especially residents or old Older um, stores uh, in the tourist areas are um, simply not very um, strongly built, so they they collapse uh, rather easily, and all the tiles fall off. And of course, as you see, as you see with any earthquake, the roads are in in very bad shape. So a lot of the repair work that needs to be done is is going to be hampered until the roads are cleared. So that's that's another factor. Uh, fortunately, the trains are moving. The the, the famous bullet train is is moving. So that that's good in itself. Now, we all remember what occurred 13 years ago made international news when you had an 8.9 magnitude earthquake killing thousands of people. And there were, I believe, tsunamis as a result of that. And that triggered a triple meltdown at the uh, Fukushima nuclear power plant. One of the things that uh, people have urged caution with respect to nuclear power along the world, around the world is exactly this, is that uh, maybe it's not wise to build nuclear power plants in areas that are prone to earthquakes. Are we hearing anything like that this time around? Are any nuclear power plants in any sort of danger at this juncture, Dave? 
Well, some some uh, concern is that most of the um, nuclear power reactors are centralized um, in the Fukui prefecture, which is where the earthquake happened, or actually next door to the prefecture, which is the meaning of the word state. Here they call them prefectures, but it's a state. And they're all centralized. Uh, most of them are in that area, so there's a lot of concern. Um, one of the reactors, there seems to be some sort of an electrical issue, um, not, the, not to the extent where they're shutting it down or there's any sort of panic, but they are looking into that as we speak, and that was on the news about 30 minutes ago. But there are many, many nuclear reactors in that area, most of which serve uh, the Tokyo region. Um, but at this point, there is no emergency um, that you'd have to you know, be that worried about. But once again, there, there's a lot of aftershocks, and people are on high alert. And the scary thing is that uh, you know, the, the following two or three days, or as long as a week, there are many, many aftershocks. And, and even today, every 30 minutes, or even as, as, uh, as frequently as every 10 minutes, there's some sort of an aftershock. And some of them are rather large. So you just can't you know, come to the conclusion that all the nuclear plants are going to be safe at this point. It's a little bit premature. I would imagine, and we're talking with David Spector, he's joining us live from uh, Japan, I would imagine that electricity has got to be a tough thing for a lot of people at this point. I would imagine electricity is out for a lot of folks. It is out. The lifeline is out uh, for many people. But um, Japan is probably, or I would say, I would guarantee it's the most well-prepared country uh, on the face of the earth when it comes to earthquakes. So they know basically what to do when these things happen. And they're very good about uh, following advice and instructions um, uh, and evacuating and whatnot. So um, they are rather fast about getting water to people and to restoring um, electricity and phone lines as, as fast as they can. So in that regard, Guard, uh, I think they're doing well. And it, it happened on New Year's Day, which in Japan is a huge holiday. And most people are home and they've already done their cooking for the holidays to give the mothers and the housewives a break, you could say. It's sort of a tradition. And outside of some people visiting from out, outside of uh, the area, like from Tokyo and whatnot, um, everybody basically was at home. So people were not out that much, uh, just a little bit of sightseeing. So uh, you know, there, there were some lucky elements and then some not lucky elements. Elements. The fact that it happened in the daytime is always good because at least you can see what's going on. Um, and everybody was together and they can help each other and, and whatnot. So um, in my recollection, I've never heard of an earthquake happening on New Year's Day because, you know, it's a very festive time of mm-hmm. the year. People are in a great mood and, they're, and they're, they're off work and whatnot and family is visiting. So it was kind of a shock just for that to happen. It's almost like if it happened on, on Christmas or Thanksgiving. Now, I I alluded to the um, earthquake affecting the nuclear power plant at uh, Fukushima 13 years ago. Has Japan Mm -hmm. been reluctant to open more nuclear power plants in the ensuing 13 years because of what occurred back then? Or are they sort of back on the horse when it comes to nuclear power? Well, I think they're back on the horse as far as building new ones that are much safer. You know, when you say nuclear power reactors, there's various 
kinds. Uh, in Europe, they're making them very, very small, and they're, they seem to be much safer than the ones from the past. Um, but there's a lot of concern here. At the same time, global warming has sort of like given a, uh, what would you call like a, a green flag to once again rethink nuclear power because of global warming, and in that respect, it's safer. Um, but, you know, Japan does not have any natural resources, and it's a huge country population-wise and economic-wise. So they're the last, the last country that can really have many options outside of buying uh, oil. And, you know, people don't want to use that kind of fossil fuel anymore. So in a way, it's, it's, uh, they're at, a, at a, a, a turning point where it might be okay to start up, um, to start going back to nuclear power. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I mean, you know, even a scientist can't say. It sounds like at this point, though, um, residents are giving emergency services and the government fairly high remarks, high uh, marks in terms of their responsiveness to this. Is that accurate? Yes, they're always they're always very fast um, about helping, and um, you know Japan always helps other countries that that face earthquake damage because they're so good at it. They have a lot of knowledge and know how, and they donate um, money and whatnot. So in reverse, um, the surrounding countries like Korea and Taiwan will be very eager to help if the call is needed. And of course, the U.S. embassy has also offered any help that might be needed. So they're in good shape as far as that goes, and the. And this, the armed forces here, they're called the self-defense forces, are very, very good at disaster um, assistance. And um, they aren't really on site yet, but I think it's just a matter of time before they start uh, rolling into the area to, to, offer, to offer any help. So they're in good hands. And the governor of the prefecture here is actually a former pro wrestler. He's like Jesse Ventura. Oh, wow. so he's sort of a, yeah, so he's sort of a, a good guy to have in these kind of cases. You know, look, the guy's very bulky. And, and very strong, or used to be very strong. So I think they feel kind of uh, comfortable with that. But um, you know, they're very—they help each other out, and they're so used to earthquakes in Japan that you don't see panic. You never see looting or anything like that. So as far as the assistance goes, um, the Japanese make it very, very easy for them, and of course, they're always very appreciative of any help they get. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Uh, Dave Spector, if uh, folks are listening to you, uh, who sounds like, uh, you know, you could be from, um, you know, the Midwest or, you know, anywhere in the heart of the United States, and they're wondering mm-hmm. how you ended up in Japan, and they have not heard our previous conversations. How uh, did you develop such a following as a broadcaster in Japan, being from, I believe it was Chicago originally, right? Chicago, that's right. As a matter of fact, my, yeah, I was listening to your program earlier, um, Shecky Green. Uh, was is a cousin was a cousin of mine. Oh, so you're I kidding! Had oh, I'm sorry. Business connection, <laughs> yes. And um, so um, I grew up as a child actor and also worked in the radio and whatnot, and wound up going to Japan for the television show Ripley's Believe It or Not. 
Lot, which was on ABC with Jack Palance as the host. And I wound up staying here, and uh, they like they like to put foreign people on television here on occasion, and uh, that sort of started the ball rolling. And before I knew it, I became sort of like a a, a fixture here on television. So I'm on all the time, and it's been all over 35 years. Oh, well, that is great. I'm glad you're doing well. No, uh, no plans to move back to Chicago anytime soon, I guess. No, no. Why, why move back? The uh, mayor of Chicago, Rahm um, Emanuel, is now the U.S. ambassador <laughs> here. So it's like if I can have my DMV license uh, renewed by him, you know, if he's in the mood. So, <laughs> did, did you keep your American citizenship? Oh, of course, yes. You, yes and, and no plans oh, yeah. to uh, give it up anytime soon. No. I mean, you know, when you think about Ellis Island and what people went through to, to get their ancestors and grandparents, I, I don't think I could do that. But a lot of people do um, um, give up their citizenship. Sometimes it's for tax reasons and other reasons. Just, they're just not going to ever move back. So um, a lot of people do that, and I certainly wouldn't criticize, but I, I just don't see myself doing that. Do, do you continue to vote in American elections? I'm just curious. Yes. You do? Yes, for um, national elections and for governor and, and uh, mayor. Well, so isn't that um, but, interesting that, yes. you know, um, you don't have a house in Chicago, I imagine, anymore, no, um, but no. you can still vote for mayor of Chicago. Right. Well, uh, or whatever state you were registered right, exactly. in, in no, my I'm case, saying, California. Right. Well, you have to remember that Americans are the only people in the entire world that have to continue to pay taxes no matter where they live and no matter how long they've been gone. So you can be in, like, Germany for 50 years and you're still paying U.S. taxes. So at the very least, you want to, um, you know, use your vote because uh, you're paying for it, so to speak. So, um, you know, it's the least you can do, I think, to continue to vote. Well, that's great. Hey, uh, um, in terms of um, one of the things not related to the, the present crisis with the earthquake, but one of the things that we've been mm-hmm. hearing about Japan is something that other countries in the West have struggled with for some time, which is mm-hmm. uh, demographics, which is the population not having enough children to replace itself. How big of a problem is that out there, David? And are, are, do you get the sense that people are concerned about that? There's not enough people in Japan, and the uh, there's there's not enough workers. There's not enough uh, drivers for taxis and whatnot. So, and especially in the service industry, um, and a lot of uh, developed countries, it's the same thing. They just can't um, increase the birth rate, no matter how hard they try. Some countries do very well at increasing it, like France and other countries, and uh, Korea has been trying. But it, in generally, it's almost impossible to to get enough uh, people, and that's why immigration is important. Um, unfortunately, uh, you can overdo that, as I think as you're seeing in the United States, um, with busloads of people crossing the border. Um, and in Japan, it's the opposite. They were never that immigration friendly. You know, of course, a certain degree of people would move here and immigrants, but they're not that f- they're not into that as much, but they have no choice anymore. And they don't really take in as many refugees as uh, other countries do, although that's improving. But I think they realize that they simply will not have much of a workforce and you can't, you know, you can't make everything into a robot. So, um, or AI controlled. So I think uh, they're facing the music now and there will be much, much, much more, uh, immigration to Japan now. And it's a great place to live. It's very safe, except for earthquakes, unfortunately. Well, So they have gotten more liberal in terms of their immigration policy. Yes, yes much more liberal. Yes, Interesting. Much more liberal. And then um, lastly, I'll ask Dave, uh, I ran into someone at a, at a party over the weekend that had just spent three weeks in Japan, and the first thing he told mm-hmm. me was 
that uh, the food, the Japanese food in Japan is very different from what we call Japanese food in the United States. I could buy that. I'm sure that's true of a lot of countries. <laughs> is that your experience? If I go to a, a sushi restaurant and I get uh, the sashimi or, or whatever the, the specials are at a, at a restaurant there, is it going to be completely alien than if I go to uh, Nobu in New York City? Well, Nobu is more like fusion. It's more modern Japanese food in his defense, you know. And they, they tend to, uh, what it called, showboat a lot of the food in, in, in America, Japanese food, mainly because it's, don't forget, it's tip-based. People, they want people to leave tips and to have a good evening. But in Japan, they don't do that. So it's a little bit more um, authentic and basic. But I would say in the past five, even ten years, Japanese cuisine in America has become very, very sophisticated. Um, and the level has really gotten very high, and a lot of Japanese restaurants have opened up branches in New York and other places, including some famous chain chain restaurants. So I think you're seeing a much, much better, um, more authentic Japanese food um, in the States now. It's not like it used to be, which is, it was almost comical in the old days. But uh, no, I think it's gotten much, much, uh, much, much better. So this guy, Fernando, that told me that, he doesn't know what he's talking about. No, it depends. It depends where you go. It depends where you go. Um, but in 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 all uh, fairness, I think you have a lot of Japanese restaurants that are trying very very hard in the states to be as authentic as they can. Um, but you know, the atmosphere is different, and the ingredients are different, and the training of the chefs is not always going to be the same caliber. But um, I would say, especially in large cities like Los Angeles and New York, you can find some very like even ramen. You know, ramen noodles. You can find some very good places. All right, uh, Dave Spector, I'm glad you're safe. I appreciate you uh, taking the time, when I, I'm sh- which I'm sure is a pretty busy time for you, to update our audience. And I hope we can chat again soon. Okay, Frank. Thanks a lot. Stay Thank well. Thank you, Dave Spector. All righty. Bye-bye. Uh, a, one of uh, Japan's finest broadcasters and uh, originally an American and still an American. All right, if you want to comment any on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.